This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. The Titans come to Heinz Field Sunday at 1 p.m. in what's kind of feeling like a playoff game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It is do or die time, and with that game against the Chiefs looming and them needing at least three out of four, yeah, this feels like a big-time must-win. This is a team that could be beat by the Steelers and should be beat by the Steelers. I know Vegas thinks the Titans are a two-point favorite, but I don't know. I just don't see the Titans really being that big of a threat without Derrick Henry, of course, but also without A.J. Brown now, by far their leading wide receiver. Their two biggest playmakers are on the sidelines. Yeah, Julio Jones was a fun name to to add to that team. Name only. <laughs> kind of like Patrick Peterson last week with the Vikings, name only with Julio Jones with the Titans. Mm-hmm. He is past his prime. Wait, I mean, and first of all, or I guess in addition, Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball compared to Matt Ryan. I know we're a little bit down on Matt Ryan, but Matt Ryan in his prime far surpassed the talents of Ryan Tannehill. Of course, he won an MVP. Right. So it's a downgrade. I don't know that, if that was deserved. Oh, it was deserved. It was a downgrade uh, from the quarterback position, although at current statuses it might have been a slight upgrade. Maybe. But, but you're also now the number two guy compared to being the number one guy in Atlanta. Which you wanted to be. That's they. The Titans' vision was for A.J. AJ Brown was always supposed to be the number one guy, and then their vision was supposed to have Julio Jones be this number two, but be the best number two in football to the point where he's basically just having another number one out on the field. But something, you know, I think injuries have taken a toll on him. I think he's had some bad lower body injuries lately that has kind of slowed him down a step. He's missed time this year. Uh, he still has a streak of 134 straight games where he has at least registered one catch when he's Wild. been playing. Uh, but he only has th- uh, no t- he has no touchdowns this year. He only has a little bit over 300 yards receiving. And Nick Westbrook-Akine, their third wide receiver, actually has three more targets than Julio Jones does on the year. So, And his targets, by the way, are like half of what A.J. Brown's targets are. Oh, I'm, so, it doesn't shock you at all, right? Who, doesn't I mean, A.J. Brown's... A, a great receiver. Top tier in this league. <laughs> yeah. And he really is Tannehill's favorite guy to go to. He's their number one, and it's not even close. There's not and even a real even number two. Say, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't even know if you could credit it to, oh, well, Derrick Henry's on the field, so the opposing defenses always plan for Derrick Henry, and that just leaves A.J. Brown open. I think part of it you is You got to watch some of that tape because – his skill set is really on the upper echelon of receivers. No, he's a physical specimen. Mm-hmm. And he's fast. He's great hands. But that doesn't mean that the running game didn't help set up a lot. Oh, of course In that not. passing of game. Of course not. No. But I, but I think that's more so for Tannehill's benefit than it is the receiver's benefit. Because Brown, I think, would get open in any kind of offense. He'd be a top-tier receiver in any kind of offense. Mm-hmm. Hard to believe that Ole Miss had him and DK Metcalf running routes for them at the same exact time. A lot of that's terrifying. Look, look look back on some of these college receiver duos. Yeah, Chase and Jefferson. A couple of years ago, Brown that, and Metcalf. It was, it was it was Odell and Landry. Did I think Devontae Smith and Waddle played together? They right? did in yeah, Alabama. Smith and yeah. Waddle. I mean, yeah, they recruit a lot of good players down <laughs> in the, down in the SEC. They tend to they tend you to hit say. on a lot of them. But yeah, AJ Brown, you're not going to worry about him in this game though if you're the Steelers. So you catch a break. You know, last week. The Vikings were supposed to be out with two of their top-tier weapons on offense in Cook and Thielen. 
You didn't get lucky with Cook. Cook came back and he put up 200 plus yards on you. That'll happen. Well, that won't happen, but a, no, that elite, should not happen. an elite player will come back I'm sure unexpectedly. That was a career high for him. So you didn't catch the break there. There's no threat of these guys, you know, coming back at the midnight hour thinking they're gonna go. Dalvin Cook was never on IR, or he was and was activated before then. Brown and Henry are both firmly on the IR list, have not been activated. They have no threat of coming onto the field, which which helps the Steelers immensely because they get Mr. Joe Hayden back this week, or I think that's the writings on the wall that he's going to be back. The hope is there. And you take out their number one receiver, plug in your number one cornerback. That's a recipe for success. That's a that that really tips the scales in your favor. Which is why you need to get out to a lead early, so they try to pass the ball more because they're weaker in the passing game. Mm-hmm. They ain't that strong in the rushing game without Derrick Henry, of course, which we'll get to in a second. But last week against Jacksonville. Nine different players registered a catch for the Tennessee Titans, but none of them had four or more catches. Could you name me nine different players that could catch a ball on the Steelers team? On the Steelers team? Okay. Uh, Before the season or now with with the injuries? Obviously Chase, Deontay, James Washington, Ray Ray McLeod, Anthony Miller. Pat Fryermuth, Zach Gentry, Najee Harris, Benny Snell, and Kalen Balage. That's ten. That's ten in your face right now, Jacob. And you want, but you want all ten of those guys. Exactly. Balls? And think of how deep no, I just you went. Do not. Nine guys caught the ball for the right. Titans, and AJ Brown wasn't one of them because he was hurt. Sometimes people, are, when you see that stat, it's oh wow, look at the quarterback able to spread the ball around. No, I want five different guys catching the ball, and that's it. Maybe a sixth guy on one gadget play, and that's it. You don't you don't need to spread the ball around when you have capable guys. The only problem is Tennessee is so hindered by injuries, and they're just so whittled down to no names that they're forced to spread the ball around that. Who is Nick Westbrook and Nene? I don't even know if I got that I, right. Hold on, I got to read it again. Nick Westbrook, Akine. Sorry. So here's bad. the thing, Tom. This kind of week right now with the Titans. Chester Rogers. Gonna, who the hell is we're that? We're going to be saying these names that we had never heard before, before this week, and we will never hear again after this week. Chester Rogers sounds like a guy who hosts like some old 60s TV, hop along Western TV style show. Like, welcome to Chester Rogers, OK Corral Hour. Like, if the Titans make a playoff run, who are these guys? It, where they make it, but they make it to the second round. And you get AJ Brown back, and you get Derrick Henry back. I would not want to play them. You, but you're never going to hear those names, right? You're never going to hear those guys' names the uttered ru- on the Tennessee Titans roster. The ever running backs, again. especially the running backs, they've been using. Oh, really. absolutely. I mean, be, it's tough because wide receiver cores need to be deeper because running backs, you really just need one. If it's Derrick Henry, sometimes it's two. If it's like in Minnesota with Anth- or Alexander Madison, like we saw in Green Bay with A.J. Dillon being the backup. But especially in Tennessee, when you have a guy like Derrick Henry, there's no need to be familiar with any other running back's name. Well, the Titans run 67.2 plays per game. That's the third most in the NFL. Past three games, they've averaged 70 plays per game. Uh, they get 21.8 first downs per game, which is eighth best in the NFL, and they possess the ball 32 minutes and 17 seconds of the time. So 
they really do a lot of ball control offense, and they do it extremely well towards the top 10 in the league in, in all of those categories there. Some of those numbers skewed still because of when Henry was healthy, of course. You have to take that into account. But, you know, that's the MO that the Titans want. They want to control the ball. They want to have most of the clock on their side. They want to run the football, get first downs, keep the defenses on the field for a long time, wear them out. The problem, though, that they're having is they turn the ball over 21 times. That's seventh most in the NFL. That's not ball control at all. And their 13 interceptions from Tannehill is the eighth most thrown in the NFL. Their fumble total, which is at eight, is also eighth most Something in the NFL. Something they didn't do last year. So they want to be on the field for 15 play drives, methodically work their way down the field, and really wear you out. And they do everything well to that effect, except for they have 12 plays and they're really, oh, they're, they're moving slow and they're doing well. And then Tannehill gets picked off. And then, oh, they're moving slow. And, and the back of uh, Dante fumbles. Foreman fumbles. Yeah. Like, they just can't hold on to the football. And in a lot of ways, that's the number one thing you need to do with a ball control offense. That's literally in the name. Control the ball and you're not. You do. You kill all that clock. But to no avail. But then you turn it over. And it, again, it's something that when we were preparing for the Tennessee Titans last last year, like week six or week five or week seven, whenever it was, that was the one thing that you said about the Tennessee Titans that could really hinder the Steelers was the fact that the Steelers were among the best. If not, I think they led the NFL by the end of the year in takeaways. But the Titans were so good at controlling the ball time. And you were unsure how you're going to beat this team just because of they did such a good job neutralizing your biggest threat on defense, which was turning the ball over. That's no longer the case. However, we now know that it may not be the end of the world for the Titans just because of how bad the Steelers are this year at creating turnovers. And that's probably something that the Titans are looking at and saying, maybe we get a break this week, you know, maybe – Maybe they won't force a couple turnovers here. Maybe we'll be able to control the football. Um, but that being said, you know, the Steelers have had the penchant for the interception of late. Uh, Akella Weatherspoon had a couple against the Minnesota Vikings. Minka Fitzpatrick had one against the Ravens and then one against the Bengals the week prior to that. So, you know, maybe things are starting to turn in the Steelers' favor as far as that's concerned. And maybe. Someone who's pretty loose with the football like Tannehill coming to town is just what the doctor ordered, especially when you played against Kirk Cousins, Mr. I'm going to protect this thing at all costs last week, and you picked him off twice. One of them was a tip ball, of course, so you're not really blaming Cousins for that. But And they both still th think about when they came to, Tom. Yeah, they, they needed him. Crucial you needed him to flip quarter. the momentum of the game. Absolutely. I don't think you should have run down to the end zone and posed afterwards. But after the especially after the first one. Uh, that's a, Maybe after the second one. If you're down by... Ten points or less, I think it's posable. Sure, but you were down by 29, twenty-nine points at that point. Or it was, twenty-nine. It was twenty-nine to seven. You're right because they just scored and then and they, it was then your they turned the only over. interception at the time. There was no momentum. The second one, when you had points on the board, a comeback was in sight, and that was your second turnover. I would have been. I think I would have been more okay. Not a hundred percent, but it would have been more tolerable to watch. The pay or the Patriots, the Titans. <laughs> the Patriots. Well, I'm gonna read a stat with the Patriots. Almost, That's why I, I said that. I don't want to. I don't want to see the Patriots see them come across the Steelers' schedule this year. Oh, well, the good thing they won't until we see them in the AFC Championship game. Right. Uh, 
even without Derrick Henry, and it's time to stop burying the lead with this offense. We got to talk about Henry's absence and how they've been replacing him. But even without him, still to this date, the Eagles and the Patriots are the only teams in the league that run the ball at a higher percentage of the time than Tennessee. On a previous episode we did uh, of the Steelers standard that you can check out wherever you find your podcast, Steelers.com, on the Steelers app, we talked about the Steelers needing to get a little bit more no huddle going on the offense. Wow. Excuse me. Thank you. You're getting choked up over Hot mic. So they needed to find their identity on the offense Mm -hmm. a little bit, and we think that the no huddle is a good way to do that, is to jumpstart things Mm -hmm. early, and maybe that can be your thing. Maybe – I'm not saying you're going to be like the Indianapolis Colts of the mid-2000s where no huddle, up-tempo, six audibles at the line of scrimmage, but maybe that can be your thing. Maybe people can say Steelers football is up-tempo, no huddle in 2021. The Titans know exactly what they are. They know, they've know they known their identity since training camp, and even with Derrick Henry, the biggest piece to that identity going down, they've continued to try to have that identity, to try to win the game with the offensive line play, with the replacement running backs. I don't know if it's going as well as they'd hoped it is. Uh, they've been – they're 3-2 and two now without Derrick Henry. They won their first two games. They lost the next two after that, one of them in a blowout fashion to the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. And then they beat the Jags last week, but that doesn't really matter because Matt Williamson no said last night on the advanced scout in his entire career doing this, he's never seen a team as dejected and as bad and as poorly run as, as the Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars are right now. I don't think I have now. either. I mean, we're a lot younger than Matt, but in our, in our age, have you? Well, think about this too. Like the Lions, since they played the Steelers and tied them, have kind of just come up around, you know, talking Steelers lately. And the theme with them is – they're bad, but they're not a team you can take lightly because they haven't quit on their coach. No, they still play they really hard. They still play super hard. Their coach isn't pointing the finger at others saying, it's the you're exa- losers. It's the exact I opposite. I hired you, but I think you're a loser. It's the exact opposite in Jacksonville. Yeah. There's no faith in anybody on that staff. There's there's no let's win a couple more games to build towards next year for them. That's what the, you're seeing from the Lions. It's let's win as much as we can, and we'll build towards next year off of that. And, guys, we're playing really competitive football. The Jacksonville Jaguars have unplugged on the season. Even with last week, and we're getting a little off topic here, but before we unravel too much, I'd like to say, I don't know if you saw any of that Detroit-Denver game. Well, I think Detroit just got let down because— It was a blowout, but Detroit, they were still fighting, even though they were down by, I think, 21 points at the end of the game. And you know what? I knew that that was going to happen because you just had your first win. It was probably like— Walking on sunshine in that Detroit facility sure. last week. You got a little Denver drunk game. off that Kool Aid, and you should have because yeah, of course. you 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 didn't want to be the Lions of old or the Browns of old and be that third team, second time for your franchise that you had the imperfect season. Don't want that on your resume. Uh, here's the rushing yard totals for the Titans in their five games without Derrick Henry. Like I said, they've been three and two since then. Sixty nine the first time without him. Sixty six the second time without him. 103 the third outing without him. That was against the Texans, though, the worst rushing defense in all of football. 270 rushing yards against the New England Patriots in a game where both Hilliard and Foreman ran for over 100 yards in that game. I don't know what the hell happened there because they lost by three touchdowns, too. So... (laughs) I have no – they ran the ball better than maybe anybody all year long, and they uh, still got their ass kicked by Bill Belichick and the Patriots. The Belichick does. And inversely, you know, the last time we saw Mac Jones out on a field, he handed the ball off 40-plus times and only threw it three times. 
in that Titans game when they got run all over, he threw for his career high, young career high in passing yards, over 300 yards. He was lighting it up. So, and then what they do last week against 102 yards on the ground against Jacksonville. So, so 122 yards per game average in his absence. That's skewed a lot by that 270 right. though. So it's probably more close to around like 80, 85 per game without Derrick Henry. The unfortunate thing for me, I'll say this, is after that 270 yard performance by Hilliard and Foreman combined. I went out on the waiver wire and said, ooh, which guy do I want here? I went with Hilliard, who didn't have the better day last week against Jacksonville. It was Foreman. And snap-wise last week, McNichol, Jeremy McNichol, got the most snaps, but he got a lot of mop-up duty in the fourth quarter. That was the closest, like, score for mop-up duty ever. Like, a lot of starters were taken out of that Titans offense. Julio Jones barely played in the fourth quarter, and it was only 20 to nothing. But there was just zero threat for <laughs> and the Jaguars. Zero faith in the Jaguars to make to any do kind any of kind of effort. thing. And they, right. he, Lawrence threw four interceptions. They only ran for eight total yards. Like there was just no threat as no. far as that no, no, was no. concerned. Um, Maybe so, the easiest win by any team on the year, even though there were bigger scoring margins or scoring deficits. That may have been just the easiest coast through a game by any NFL team this year. Does it? Before we touch the defense a little bit, does it matter? Who's running the football against the Steelers defense now? now? I think they're all like I like I just mentioned on that waiver wire pickup that I did. I went with one guy. There wasn't any of the three that really stood out. I think any of these three guys, all three of these guys, are pretty much equal. And I think you saw that because even though McNichol got the mop up duty, he still did a lot, and he was out there for a long time. But between Hilliard and Foreman, there really is no guy that stands above the other. Looking at this Titans defense, honestly, sorry. I mean, I think they're all just average guys, but right. I think the Steelers are so abysmal. I mean, it won't matter. Kalen Balaj would have ran for 150 yards if he was running all, for the Vikings in those holes. The Lions run for 100 yards. We saw um, the Titans' offensive line is still really good. That's something that hasn't changed. Is that they're still maulers? They're still run block first, road grader type guys, and I don't see signs Kate Cam Hayward, the Steelers, being able to muster up. A, if a Lamar Jackson's legs weren't falling off and they had someone who was under 35 years they old They had Dobbins football, or Edwards, yeah. The Ravens would have run for over 100 yards, well over that number. Uh, honestly, the defense, for the most part, I think it's a really solid defense, much improved from last year. 12th in yards per game. They give up 22.9 points per game. That's right at 15th in the league. They have the second-best rushing defense in the entire NFL. They only give up 90.6 yards per game on the ground. Uh, guys up front, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, D'Amico Autry, they have a lot to say about that. They're studs up there. Um, they also create a lot of pressure on the quarterback. They get two-and-a-half sacks per game. That's 10th in the NFL, and that pressure, I think, undoubtedly helps lead to the 10 interceptions that they have, or excuse me, the 13 interceptions that they have. That would make them 10th in the NFL as far as that category is concerned. So they get after the quarterback. They're a ball-hawking team. They like to pick it off, especially Kevin Byard, the safety. He has five interceptions of their 13. Having another good year. They stop the run extremely well. The one thing they don't do that great is their pass defense overall. It's 22nd in the NFL. They give up 250 yards per game through the air. Their secondary is not the best at stopping good wide receivers big wide receivers have put up big numbers on the titans so far this season yes they'll turn you over back there but you can also get them in the passing game 
And that's why I think you got to pass the ball a lot in this game. And I think Deontay has the opportunity to have a really big game today. I was going to say, Tom, on Sunday. I'm glad you brought his name up because I know we have our issues with Chase Claypool, but maybe that's kind of a – not a blessing in disguise, but maybe this is the game where you can say, I'm going to ignore Chase Claypool because if I throw it deep, someone like Bayer or anyone else in that secondary can make a, pl- a better play than Claypool has, and we've seen that uh, – on exhibit throughout the season where Claypool just hasn't made the right read, whether it's running the wrong route or mistiming a jump or not putting in the absolute most effort he could on a combat catch. Whereas you have Deontay Johnson running down low. Ben loves to show Ben loves to get rid of the ball quickly. He loves those short to mid range passes. And that's where Deontay Johnson excels in the, in the mid range, uh, section of the field maybe this is the game now we've seen Deontay have breakout games earlier this year but right. maybe this is the game where it's just it's Deontay's day like 160 Chase, yards you give Chase maybe three targets all day and it's just Deontay and it's Najee Harris and it's Chase Claypool or I'm sorry and it's Pat Fryermuth all in that that short to mid-range passes and you don't allow the secondary to be a factor in this game unless it's on the tackling end. Well, it's honestly not the secondary that worries me in this football game for the Titans. It's that upfront pressure mm-hmm. and it's that defensive line. I don't know how the the Steelers' offensive line, interior offensive line, is going to deal with Jeffrey Simmons, who's one of the best young defensive tackles in the NFL. And like we said, they're tenth in the league as far as sacks per game is concerned. They get two point five sacks per game. One of the biggest things that they needed to improve this offseason was getting pressure on that quarterback. They needed to be able to make things uncomfortable for opposing teams in that pocket. They were abysmal, maybe one of the worst teams in the league at creating pressure last year. So they go out and they sign Bud Dupree, our old friend. He only has one sack this year for them so far. Yeah, but he's, he's been, been hurt a lot, and he's on IR now, right. so we won't see our friend Bud on Sunday, unfortunately. We won't have his homecoming. But I'm sure you'll see a little reunion of sorts on the field before. But here's the thing. Despite the fact that their prized free agent isn't really producing— It hasn't affected them. They're much better in that category, and it's mainly the trio of Harold Landry, who has 11 sacks and leads the team, Jeffrey Simmons, and Danico Autry up front. Those three make up 24 and a half. Of their 32 total sacks on the season so block those three i think you definitely have <laughs> i think you definitely want to do that in this game it's a little easier said than done don't you think fourth and sacks on the titans our other old friend ola adeni getting some run for bud dupree how about that i didn't know adeni was uh, kicking it with the titans but you didn't know he was on the titans. two and a half sacks for him this year fourth on the team and filling in for bud dupree so we will see him on sunday at heinz field but yeah, Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry, they scare the Those hell out of the me. Two. Their sack totals are high, and like we said, they're really the main guys that have their hand in the pile for that rush defense that gave up eight total yards last week against the Jaguars, but still they gave up eight total yards in an NFL game. So the difference between the Steelers and the, and the Titans on their pass rush is the fact that the Steelers sit at, what, with 37 sacks? And they average about three a game. And 16, that might be down a little bit because of the no sacks. 16 come from one guy. TJ. And then on the Titans of their 32, 24 come from two guys. Well, even more so with the Steelers, it's basically TJ and Cam. Because I think Cam has like six and a half or seven sacks. But the point I'm trying to make is 
even so, the next guy to TJ has 10 less sacks. You're not seeing it as like a balance, not There's balance, no but it's not it's not a TJ Watt, Bud Dupree type thing. And right. then you sprinkle in a Cam Hayward, you sprinkle in a Stephon Tewitt who also had 10 sacks last year. It is just TJ Watt, and then you saw Chris Wormley have a three-sack uh, three game. Henry Mondo has a sack or two throughout the season. Alex Highsmith has gotten to the quarterback. There's just so many guys, and it's kind of like the way we were talking about the Titans having nine guys or, or ten guys with a catch last week. Just because you have that many guys being involved doesn't mean that's necessarily the right thing. It's it's the best thing. I would much rather it be T.J. Watt has double digits, Bud Dupree has double digits, Stephon Tewitt has double digits, and then Cam and a couple of other guys have five, and that's it. Because that means your playmakers are being playmakers, and you can rely on them week to week. However, that's not the case this year, and the Titans are able to kind of mimic the Steelers' success that they had in 2020. One last piece of advice I'd have for the Steelers' offense, avoid Kevin Byard in that secondary. He has five of their 13 interceptions, and he also leads the team in tackles, so... It's up for debate. Last night, Matt Williamson told me that he thinks Jeffrey Simmons is the best player on this defense. I think you could make the argument that Kevin Byard's the best player on this defense. Either way, they've got foundational pieces on the D-line and in the secondary between those two guys that they could build around for a long time. Uh, Byard's a really cerebral safety. Williamson said if there's a guy he'd take after Minka right now to be on his defense in the secondary, it probably is going to be Byard at number two. Mm. So that's high praise. Oh, absolutely. Potentially going up against the number two safety in the entire NFL, if you believe that Minka's number one. And uh, his five picks, you know, that's three more than the second-place player on the Titans, his fellow secondary mate, cornerback Christian Fulton, who only has two interceptions on the season. So you got to watch out for Kevin Byard. If I'm Ben Roethlisberger, I identify where he's at on the field most likely shaded towards number 18 if I could guess how the Titans will go about things. Right. And then you might have to go to Claypool. You might have to go to, to Fryermuth. You might have to hit Nodge out of the backfield because I don't want to throw the ball into Byard's area too often. Not only will he have coverage most of the time, he's a ball hawk. He could end up picking it off very uh -huh. easily. So I would avoid him at all costs. Kind of like how other teams avoid Minka for the Steelers. However, if, if you know the Steelers – They'll they go do, right at him. They do what they what they're told not to do. First Don't play touch deep the ball, stove. Byard. Don't touch the stove. It's too hot. I love that. I love that mentality too. When you had the abs and the bells. Of oh, the of course. But you don't. And you don't not, have them. not to say that Deontay Johnson isn't good or Najee Harris isn't good, but they're not. They're not yet at those levels. I mean, you you may never see someone be at the level of Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, especially on the same team at the same time. But I yeah, we had no problem doing it at the time. It's just and especially now with Ben Roethlisberger being in his age, you don't really have the confidence of him placing the ball as perfectly as he did for eight for those two guys. That's going to do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen. Steelers Titans, Sunday at Heinz Field, like we said, 1 o'clock kickoff. we got a lot more episodes this week to break down that matchup, so don't you worry. A lot more Steelers Titans talk will be coming your way on the Steelers Standard. But for Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Offerman. This one's a wrap, and we'll talk to you next time.